Okay, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 22 today. And we're going to be observing a very interesting chapter. And a very interesting chapter for Abraham here. As, as Abraham is facing the ultimate test. And what we're going to be looking at here is, is the test of, of what we call sacrifice. And that, that word is a very heavy word for many people because people don't like to hear that word. Okay, so we look at the word sacrifice, you think, well, what, is, what exactly is that? And, and how do people take it or what, are peop- what do people do with it? You know, a lot of people like to say, well, I, I sacrificed uh, uh, coffee. I sacrificed uh, sweets or something. I sacrificed something, what people like to call guilty pleasures. And, and we like to brag about the fact that we sacrificed those things, which are great. But when we look at that term, when we look at that word, it's a very interesting word. And, and, and in the biblical sense, it goes a lot deeper than having to get rid of a guilty pleasure. See, a lot of things that were done in the form of sacrifice weren't always done in a, in a very pleasing way. In a very pleasing way to God, that is. See, people sacrificed things in falsehood. People would sacrifice uh, uh, people or, or, or animals. They would sacrifice things to a God that did not exist in neighboring countries of Israel. And, and, the, pagan, and the pagan neighbors if, at the time. And this was very unpleasing to God, but it was a sacrifice because it was a form to them of worship. But when we look at the, worm, uh, the form of sacrifice, we're looking at it from a term of, of ridding of something. Okay, now we go also look at the form of sacrifices is also using it against somebody. I think a lot of us have heard when we've gotten into a, a, a quarrel with our loved ones or with our spouse perhaps or whoever it might be. They love to bring up what they sacrificed for you and I or whatever the case may be. I sacrificed this for you, whatever it was. But what's interesting is considering the fact that if, if something was sacrificed out of true love, it's not normally brought up to be thrown at somebody. That, that's what's interesting. Now, God is going to have Abraham do something very interesting here. But when I look at Abraham, he actually kind of knew what sacrifice was in, in many different ways. Okay, let's look back at the beginning of his call. He was, he was in the land of Ur, in, in the Chaldean region of Iraq which was his home. God called him out of his home, so he sacrificed what he knew and where he came from. Not always a bad sacrifice. In some cases, it could be a bad sacrifice. But he did what God was calling him to do. So that was a good sacrifice. When Abraham came to Canaan, the region of Canaan that he was called, he was going through a famine. And on his own accord, he decided to go to Egypt, which was flourishing at the time. But Abraham knew what would happen because he had a very beautiful wife by the name of Sarah, who he said that, that the Pharaoh and the people of that area, once they see you, they're going to take you and they're going to kill me. So let's tell them that you are my sister, so that way I will survive. Well, Abraham sacrificed his wife to an extent for the sake of his own well-being. Well, God delivered him, revealed the truth to the Pharaoh, put a plague on the area, and he sent him back to Canaan. Abraham returns to Canaan for a while, 
with his nephew Lot. And Abraham and, and Lot get into a dispute about territory because of the amount of people that had uh, Abraham had working for him and Lot had working for him. They were fighting amongst each other. So Abraham was willing to give Lot any area of land that he wanted. Abraham was willing to sacrifice a section of land that was given to him for the sake of keeping peace within his family. Well, that's not a bad way of sacrifice. So Lot, though, decided to go ahead and move to Sodom and Gomorrah because of the uh, the resources over there. So Lot has sacrificed, unfortunately, uh, uh, his wife, his, his family, in a sense, and in many things over the years. It was a bad sacrifice. Shortly after that, Abraham up and moved from the area and moved over into the Philistine territory, not far from where he was at, but over there was another king by the name of Abimelech. Round two came about when he told Sarah the same thing. Tell him that you're my sister because they're going to kill me and they're going to put you in the harem. And so that happened. And then God came to, the, to Abimelech in a dream and says that that is a man's wife that, that is of me. You're a dead man if you decide to continue on with this. Abraham once again sacrificed his wife, Sarah, for the sake of his own well-being. But God delivered him. He goes ahead and he comes back. He leaves. Abraham had a child with, with uh, Hagar, who was uh, Sarah's handmaiden. She was an Egyptian handmaiden. And Sarah couldn't have children. She was barren from children. So Sarah said to go ahead and have a child with, with Hagar, and we will consider the child our own. So that, in a sense, was a sacrifice on Sarah's part. But it didn't really work out too well after a while. Many years had gone by in the previous chapter of 21. It had said that, uh, that Isaac, their promised son, was born, and, and at the time he was weaned. And, and so... Ishmael, the older brother, was in his teens at the time and was taunting the younger brother. Well, Sarah had seen this and had enough and said, I want Ishmael and I want Hagar, Hagar gone. So Abraham had to sacrifice his relationship with his teenage son and he had to, he had to rid of them. So we had to look at these forms of sacrifice. But now Abraham is, uh, is going to be tested in the most ultimate test of sacrifice. And, and the things that we, uh, that we would be willing to give up, okay? Possessions, if you will. I mentioned earlier the guilty pleasures. But what about possessions? Are we willing to sacrifice the possessions? The houses, the cars, or whatever the case may be. Because those are just possessions. And, and when we look at what we have in life, do we truly possess what we have when we know that nothing is forever? You know, Abraham's hardest test will be seen in this chapter. But what we're going to see is that possessions are entrusted to us for only a time. And, and our children are possessions of ours only for a time. Everything on this earth... It's for a time. So may we see this amazing chapter, and may we see the message that God has in store for us as well. As, as we look at it and we see that what God did with Abraham, he's teaching us throughout the times.
So let's take a look here at Genesis chapter 22. If you have a Bible with you, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 2, and I'm going to start us off in verses 1 to 3. And it said, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. So this is one of the most unusual tests given to a man. Your promised son, I want you to offer in sacrifice as a burnt offering. Which was one of the oldest offerings of time. And, and Noah did this after God had delivered him from the flood. It was a, it was a bull or a ram or uh, another form of livestock that was killed and it was put on a, on a burning altar, uh, sending the aroma to God in worship. Uh, the meat would a lot of times would be eaten, and, uh, but later it was a sacrifice of worship that was later described in the book of Leviticus. But again, Noah did this. Noah did this particular offering that God and it pleased him long before this time of Abraham even. So this is probably the oldest um, forms of a sacrificial um, uh, form of worship in the Bible. You know, God had been working on Abraham for some time now. And, you know, this was the ultimate of a test. And for some people, they uh, they can help produce great faith, but in others, with a test, God reveals the amount of faith that they're going to have. And, and we've seen Abraham in the past do things on his own accord. So was this a test of, of will he trip? Well, no, definitely one to deepen his capacity in faith and obedience here. You know, Abraham showed the utmost of faith and obedience at this time. Uh, we see no fight or debate. Now, if we look back to some chapters, you know, he debated with God when God said that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and Abraham asked, he said, if you can find a few righteous people in that area, will you spare it? And, you know, Abraham, he did it out of concern. But we see now that he never fought or, or questioned this time when it came to the Lord on, on what he commanded. You know, this was one of the greatest acts of obedience of all time for all of mankind. You know, as he woke up early to do what God had said, and to go to, to Mount Moriah, which was about 50 miles from where he was at. Uh, that would be 80 kilometers if you go off of that versus miles. And and to go by, by donkey, okay, to, to saddle up and go by donkey that far even says a lot. Because people don't even want to drive half that distance for anything in a car. It takes a lot being tested and not complaining or asking why, for most people at least. But those who have walked with God long enough, you know, they, they know that what God is doing. He's doing something with us. Uh, perhaps stretching us to de develop our character. Uh, refining gold, you know, it was done by intense fire. And, and it was completed when the refiner could see his reflection in that gold. Because the thing is, is, we cannot grow in going through life without some tests and trials. And as I will continue to say, uh, you've heard me say it before if you're, if you're a continual listener, that God does love us the way we are, yes. But he loves us way too much to leave us this way. And Abraham is going to experience why. 
So I ask that you continue with me, as, as this is a strange, as, a strange chapter to a first time hearer of this. So may we see the many ways of God, because God uses uh, certain things to get our attention. But don't be alarmed by this, because this is only a test. Verse 4 through 8. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham had said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. At this time, many have asked, you know, how old was Isaac? Uh, How old would he have been? Uh, You know, a lot of us would picture a young boy. Uh, Because of the previous chapter uh, in 22, uh, I'd mentioned that Isaac was just uh, a little guy. (laughs) Well, Sarah was 90 years old uh, when she had Isaac. And in each chapter in Genesis, each chapter could be somewhat recent or it could be many years apart. Uh, the previous chapter when Abraham removed Ishmael and Hagar, Isaac would have been only a few years old because he was weaned. And at that, that age, about, uh, during that age time frame, uh, children that were weaned were about three years old in the Bible. And Sarah died at 127 years old, uh, which we're going to see in the next chapter. So if Sarah had Isaac at 90, and died at 127, Isaac would have been 37 years old when she passed. So at this point, he could have been in his, in his, uh, in his late 20s, possibly early 30s at this time. And the reason being, Abraham had him carry the wood for the altar up the hill. And, you know, altars were pretty good size. So a young man in his 20s or 30s was in his prime to do this. And what's interesting is Abraham's comment to the men who accompanied them. He said, we will be back. Not I, but we will be back. Okay, the the faith in in God would be the only explanation for this. You know, as most people would have been in tears or completely distraught, Abraham was right about one thing. He said, we're going up there to worship. Now, but I look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 19, it gives us a little insight here. It said, by faith, Abraham went up and concluded that God was able to raise him from the dead from which he also received him from a figurative sense. So Abraham had a strong faith that God would have been able to bring him back right then and there if he were sacrificed. But you see, the lesson here is, is the trust. You know, where most people need an answer to how things are going to come together, Abraham just knew that somehow everything is going to be just fine. You know, after all, we do wake up every morning and we leave our house to do whatever it is we're going to do and we expect to come home to our routine. But, not everyone in the world comes home that day, unfortunately. There are life-changing events that happen to us. But when we walk closer to God, we get further from the fear. But, you know, God, he was preparing, he prepared Abraham for this test. For years, people have spoken on this account and have said, well, I could not have done what Abraham did. Well, God prepared Abraham for this. This was his test, not anyone else's. He knew it because he said, God will provide a sacrifice. And we're all tested, but in different ways. 
as God sees fit a test for the task of the individual. You know, we are not the father of many nations. That was Abraham, the chosen one, in order to be given that title. So let's take a look at verses 9 through 14. Then they came to a place of which God had told him. And Abraham had built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of this place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. See, the ultimate of tests in the Old Testament here, you know, to give up something that you love more than anything. Uh, There's an old saying that with much power comes much responsibility. And this was the final test to see if Abraham was to be the father of many nations as a godly example. Would he truly be willing uh, to put God first? So as Abraham was proven by his obedience, we see as well why Isaac as well was a blessed man, as he faithfully allowed this to carry on. You know, he could have gotten away, but allowed his father to tie him to the altar and, and, about, and about to sacrifice him with the knife. Isaac was obviously um, allowing this to happen out of faith himself. You know, I I know many over the years question this. Why would God suggest this? Well, it was knowing, it was his knowing to do so. You know, he knows what to do with each and every person. And when I hear about people who kill their own child and say that God told them to do it after, uh, after all he did it with Abraham, well, that's not true. God completely detests this and would never condone the killing of your child. Well, why suggest it to Abraham? Well, simple. It was only a test. A lot of questions, questioning and opinions come into play over this account. Well, I'll say this. Do we know more than God? <laughs> well, no. And by questioning his, his actions or motives, are we more merciful than God? Absolutely not. See, to know his word is to observe his heart, his mind, his hands, and yet his mysterious ways are still beyond the explanation of even any biblical scholar. But right there is a ram caught up in a bush. God provided a sacrifice as Abraham said he would. You know, on the mount that God led him uh, to, it was called uh, the Lord will provide. It was a Hebrew word of, uh, called Jehovah Jireh, which means God provides. You know, there was a a worship song called Jehovah Jireh, uh, sang many years ago in in churches. And and the song was in reference to the scripture. You know, Jehovah Jireh, uh, my provider, God's grace is sufficient for me. The Lord will provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. So you might be able to hear that song, and those are typical, those are the lyrics that you would hear in it. It was a very, very good song, and it was it was derived from this particular chapter. 
And, and a, a hill or a mountain of provisions is what this was, okay? These areas of Israel have such amazing geographical blessings. A hill named in honor of God and his provisions is God still wanted a sacrifice. It was to be uh, of one he provided. Abraham must have been just completely overjoyed by this. You know, not only was his son spared, but they, they together got to worship God on the mount. And they got to witness God's glory and blessings as he provided the ram. And as we see God is everywhere and could do anything, he just looks for the faithful and those willing to meet him on the hill. He's looking for those who are willing to climb the hill to meet him. <laughs> and so are we willing to do that at times? Let's take a look at verses 15 to 24. Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. Now it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Indeed, Milcah also was born, children to your brother Nahor. Huz, his firstborn, Buzz, his brother, Kemuel, the father of Aram, uh, Chesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jidlaf, and Bethuel. And Bethuel begot Rebekah. These eight, and Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother, his concubine, whose name was Remuah, also bore Tebah, Gaham, Tahash and Makkah. So again, uh, he, Abraham got to find out uh, that some of his family members had children as well. Uh, as you've seen here in verse 24, there was a, Abraham's brother had a concubine, which a concubine was a, it was almost like, a, kind of like a wife, but they were not legally married. But they were taking on as, as like the form of a wife, but they had no legal rights to anything. But they lived in the household, and they, they more or less had kind of the, a similar uh, relationship that a husband and wife would have. Not something that God himself uh, approved of or implemented, but this was uh, something that people had adopted as a form of almost like a what would you would consider a common law marriage. But it's, again, it's fascinating to see that God has uh, had us climb mountains at times in order to meet him. As Abraham climbed this mount to meet him, in this case, to see his glory, Moses climbed Mount Sinai. Christ climbed the hill of Golgotha to die on the cross. And, and he had servants, he had his servants climb, to climb the hill or mountain and if you've ever climbed a mount or a hill, it allowed you to see what you've never noticed before. And that's what God works in us that way. He, 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 has us have, he has us climb up to mountains in order to see the things we've never seen before. And it was after this that he was reminded of his ginormous lineage. 
Verse 20 to 24 shows us that Abraham was given word that he had some relatives that he hadn't known, uh, which will uh, actually be seen in coming chapters. So Abraham showed great virtue in, in, in the form of patience as he was told these things many years back. But he never complained or tried to be the squeaky wheel that tries to get the grease. You know, he kept doing uh, what God had him do. And, and then when least expected, God shows up at Abraham's door, which we've seen in some chapters. Uh, some chapters back. God knows when we're ready. You know, he watches every move. Psalm chapter 32 verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And I will guide you with my eye. And we see that Abraham was one of the first examples outside of Noah to have been the example of this passage. You know, in in the simple outlook of why Abraham was blessed was first, Abraham heard the call of God. And second, he received him in the call. He followed, obeyed, and most of all, he had a loving relationship with God. You know, willing to sacrifice what he loved for God. And again, when something is sacrificed, it's done out of uh, releasing one's wants or desires for someone or something beyond themselves. And, and by that, he was raised up as the man of, of God that made him to be. In order for salvation to be obtained, there was a sacrifice that was made by the Lord Jesus, who did die and was raised three days later. And what we do here is very temporary. Our time is short. And someone may say and think that, you know, that I can't. You don't know what I've, what I've done. Well, I don't know what you've done, but I know what he has done. Which is why I'm doing what I've been called to do. So we cannot take our past or we can't take the things that we've done and say that I cannot come to the Lord because of who I am and what I've done he came because of that again we should not have to hit rock bottom in our lives to have a relationship with God you know it makes for a great testimony but again God doesn't care about where we've been he cares about where we're going and where we're going is straight to him is where he wants Testimonies are great, but not everybody gets to speak of it. You know, if God's calling you, if you feel that you want to receive the Lord, well, you kind of have to do what Abraham did. When When the Lord had called Abraham, he said, here I am. Well, if that is happening with you, This is your time to say, here I am, Lord. And the only way into heaven, and the only way into God's presence is receiving the Lord, Jesus Christ, as your personal Savior. And that is something that the Bible says. There's no other way, it says. God himself said, in order to get to me, you must go through my my son. We must go through the Lord. We must go through Christ. Jesus himself said that. So if you believe, and if you want to receive, then say this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord, 
Please forgive me of my sins. Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner, Lord. And I ask you to wash me clean. And I ask you, Lord, to receive me, Lord, as I receive you in my heart. Father, I thank you for having me, Lord. For, Lord, I am now yours, Lord. And you are my God, you are my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for dying for me, Lord. And, Lord, I receive you now as as my Father and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, always a joy to be doing this. It's always a joy to know that, that you're listening to God's Word. Not to me, but to God's Word. That's why this is called a voice in the distance. It is his voice in the distance, his I lip sync for God. So may you be blessed in him and may you continue to walk strong. I pray that, that if you have said this prayer, that, that you will continue to walk with him closely and that you would stay the course with him. And remember that God always builds straight roads. The path to him is straight and narrow. The path of destruction is very wide. So may we stay on that straight and narrow path together. And may we keep our eyes on the shepherd. May God bless and keep you.